Uh, okay. Uh, Today we are uh, talking with Timo Tiainen, uh, who is the director of concepts and design at Kone. Timo has a unique background from consultancy world and an in-house design. Uh, Timo, it's great to have you here today talking with us. Thank you. Nice to be here. Well, you have like a really long history on, on both both worlds. Uh, can you be Talk a bit about your background. How do you end up in the field of design in the first place and in the current role that you are today? Well, actually, what happened is that I, I, I first I, I graduated as an engineer. So I have that kind of uh, uh, studies done way back in the, in the 90s, I think. It was when I graduated. I graduated directly to the bad recession. So really difficult to find a job, but also really, really, really good timing for for thinking about that what I actually want to do. Uh, and at that time, I thought that okay, since I have time, maybe I could also uh, also apply for a design school because that has been something that that is a kind of long long term kind of a dream of mine. But since my all my family is full of engineers. That was easy, easy path, and I applied to study uh, study design. I got got there, uh, graduated uh, sometimes after, and then went to work to design consultancy. That was the easiest way, and and at that time Nokia was not uh, that present in Finland yet. They they were not kind of having uh, or hiring everybody who who, who could design, but. Uh, but it was just coming next next few years, and I I, I joined to first to the company called Muoto Tieto in Lahti, uh, a small design consultancy. Worked there for a couple of years for very different uh, fields, uh, like like medical industry and that sort of things. But then uh, eventually thought that maybe Lahti is not not kind of a big enough for me and interesting enough for me. As a, as, a, as a working place and as an opportunity. And I, I applied for a small design consultancy in, in Helsinki area called Linea Design. There was four people working at the time, so it was really a small one. Uh, and they had soon as their customer. It was their main customer at the time. And I, I joined, joined Linea and started to work also for Suunto. Uh, and many other kind of consumer electronics companies. Then Nokia came along at some point, and, and some white good appliances also. And Linea grew. It, it grew pretty rapidly. And the, the, the understanding at that time was that uh, this kind of user interface design is going to be a big thing. It, it wasn't at the time, and there was not so many companies doing that. Mm. But Linea, what, what year was this? Uh, that was something like uh, 1998 or so. Nokia mm. was there already, kind of starting to be. But uh, you know, mobile phone has uh, had had black and white displays and that sort of thing. So a lot of restrictions in that area. Uh, but eventually, that that kind of uh, thinking then, together with Suunto, took part. That hey, user interface and the product design they are strongly combined together and they are, it's important that they are kind of designed together, designed to fit each other. Um, and that was kind of a thinking driven uh, in, in those areas. 
UX design grew as as the product design grew also, but but linear design was in that way a different company than others that we focused there for consumer electronics. We didn't do this kind of a paper machines, paper mill machines, and that sort of things. So it was kind of focused on on certain type of things and. And there I worked. I, I was first a kind of designer, then I was a project manager, then I had my own customers. And end of the day, I was their creative director, kind of responsible of doing both the kind of industrial design and, and, and UX design, uh, or kind of responsible of the production. And those times, then I thought that, well, it would be interesting to also understand what it is the life. On the other side of the other side of the table, there in a kind of a brand side, and and it was 2006 when uh, there was an open position for design manager in Kone, and uh, and of course it was a step down for me. I was already a director then, but but then I thought that this is an interesting opportunity. Because I foresee that there's a lot of possibilities in Kone, untouched opportunities in Kone, and, and applied and, 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 and got in uh, and realized that uh, yes, it is very different life in a, in a big corporation. Was there other designers there working already when you joined? Um, yeah, there was there was some, but not very many at the time. Design was was something that Kone didn't utilized too much yet at, at those times. Uh, I think that there was uh, one designer working in China, one in one in Finland. Okay. Yeah. So two. Hmm. And and then a couple of part-time <coughs> people then kind of a, or, or fixed fixed per, per, fixed contract people uh, included. And I realized that okay they are lacking a design process still at the time. It wasn't there there was no kind of uh, clear ownership of the design in the company. Uh, and, and this kind of a basic principle, no design organization, obviously, with that kind of a number of people. Uh, so I started to build those together with Anstenrus, who was the person uh, who hired me. And actually, this design topic came relevant for Kone uh, because, of the, because of Matti Alahuhta. Uh, became a CEO of mm. the company and, and brought this kind of a design utilization uh, culture from Nokia that design is important and you can really get a kind of a value for your business through it. So so he brought that, he he hired Ann Stenros as a design director and Ann, Ann then uh, uh, hired me <laughs> to do the job. <laughs> So, so that was the story, and, and okay, but you just need we just needed to build everything from the scratch, hmm. uh, and I think that it was a good way to start because obviously lots of learnings from companies that have been utilizing design long times, lots of mistakes that they have done, and we didn't have to kind of learn away from the bad habits in that sense. Yes. So, so a good start, and fairly strong uh, investment and strong support from the top level of the company, which which is important in a way that the top management is really supporting the activities. And, and we started immediately to, to build a kind of global organization and not, not kind of focus in Finland, but in a way see that, okay, this is the Kones market area, China is growing the fastest, let's go to China, India is growing, let's go to India. 
Europe, can we deal Europe from Finland alone? No, we need to extend to Italy, since there was another R&D unit and is still. And then we extended also to North America in a way that let's, let's build it in a big way. Yeah. <laughs> so how big is the design organization at the moment? At the moment it is roughly roughly 40 people, internal people, but we, uh, we buy quite a bit uh, of our, our work from outside because we like to work like that. It, it's not the kind of that we would know better. Uh, but we we want to kind of do a collaboration out, outside of Kone all the time because then we are kind of attached to the world world around us also in a, in a better manner and learn from the maybe from the faster moving industries also in a way that what's coming up and, and so forth so it's 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 a good way to work I think. Hmm. Yeah, so it's, it's interesting because and you and me we have a. Same kind of background, but in different order. <laughs> I started as an in-house designer, uh, worked there 11 years at, at Nokia, and then moved on to the consultancy world to start to build a uh, team uh, in, in current company. And I know that there's, there's a huge difference between those two worlds. Hmm. How did you, how do you feel about those? Like, what are the main differences for you uh, comparing the lin- time at Linea hmm. and the time at now at, at Conem? Well, of course, in a consultancy side, everything is so much faster. You, 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 can, you can do things much uh, quicker. And of course, uh, you most likely have a smaller organization, less stakeholders, less, less, less kind of people deciding things and more people doing things. Uh, in, the, in the in-house uh, organization, there is a lot of people that you need to agree things with. Uh, and of course, um, it is also a bit kind of longer term view in-house. Uh, and, and shorter term view, uh, kind of uh, being as a consultant, that you are coming to solve a problem that is defined for you, and then you need to kind of you do that, you hand it out, and then you carry on maybe to the next project unless you are part of the implementation. But when you are in house, you define the problem first. It takes a lot of time, a lot of negotiation, and understanding that is this really the right problem that we are now dealing with and, and solving. Uh, when we are getting the kind of solution done, there is also loads of opportun- opinions and people that you need to include and, and take the opinions in uh, and, and, and maybe sell your ideas back, the, back to them. Uh, and, and it is then you are always involved with the, with the implementation. It, mm. it just sticks to you. you. You need to be there until the product is out or solution is out. Uh, and then after you maintain it. So, so, so it's, it's a different view. But also in the in-house, uh, you are able to influence to the strategy, the company strategy, if the, if the design is, is uh, placed and, and understood in a way that it has a, has a kind of something to give for the strategy. And we are in Kone, luckily. So, so that's a huge positive thing in being in-house designer that you can really influence on the company uh, and, and company's visions and, and missions and strategies and and the, the way that we are seeing the future. So so that is I think the big big plus in this kind of a very complex and 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 uh, in some way uh, slow uh, work and slow situation. Yeah yeah I, I totally agree. Uh, I think I think the selling is the interesting 
thing on the consultancy side, you need to first sell and then you do the work. Whereas on the in-house side, you first do the work and then you do the sell. <laughs> selling, <laughs> selling, but so it's it's very interesting. There's a big trend uh, globally that a lot of the like uh, brands are like in-housing their design mm. function and mm. buying agencies. You mentioned that you had 40, 40 people working for you in design, and then mm. you use a lot of mm. externals there as well. So. In this respect, how do you see what will be the future for design agencies? Uh, will they diminish, uh, become in-house agencies only, mm. or is there a role for the design agencies in the future? I think there's absolutely a role for design agencies, and I I, I, would, I don't want to see a situation where there's only in-house designers or in-house kind of design uh, functions, because it's isolating a lot of things. Uh, being a consultant or consultants, they are kind of combining different things and they are seeing the world from different angles. And I think that they are always coming with the outside in view, which is pretty difficult uh, to, to maintain when you are in-house. You, 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 you get to the trap where you are kind of focusing on, on a company's own challenges and having an inside view. And you need you need to find a method actually to, to to look things from outside perspective, and I think that that comes very naturally from the from the consultants and and um, uh, well I, I think that there is a lot of demand on on both of both of us. Also, in-house is needed because uh, my experience is that nobody is a better design design buyer than another designer. Hmm. Because they know what they can get and they know how to buy and they know how to demand. But they are also open for new ideas because they know what, what it is and what's the topic and how difficult it is actually to invent something very new. Yeah. So, so I think that both are, both are needed. Uh, there is a bit different roles for, for both of them. Uh, and uh, I don't know, maybe someday I will be a consultant again. Who knows? Mm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the world goes around. <laughs> yeah. Uh, although Kone is like really a uh, globally known brand, mm. uh, but uh, still there might be some listeners who are not familiar with the Kone, Kone brand. Mm. Uh, your vision states that uh, you will you are focusing on delivering the best people flow experience. Yes. Can you open up a bit what Kone is about and what the people flow uh, concept is about? Mm. Okay. Uh, so we as a company, I guess, are still known from the elevators and escalators. So that we are we are we are product provider, uh, building component provider, and and and, and seen like that, but. Uh, but actually what we are aiming at is to improve the kind of moving experience in the buildings, making it safer and smoother and easier uh, in a way to people to, to navigate in the building, find their ways and, and, and kind of do their kind of daily journeys within the building or between the buildings also nowadays. So so it's it's more like a, like a, uh business where we are creating solutions that are uh, improving a uh, way of uh, kind of interacting with technology and 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 enabling uh, people to move about uh, so it's a combination of different type of uh, fields so there is of course products there is some digital things but there is also kind of human interactions and and that kind of things um, uh, 
Uh, and uh, well, it, it's a kind of systems that we mm. are designing. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Good. Uh, you wrote a blog post, interesting blog post earlier this year in LinkedIn uh, with the topic of designing for the future with an outside-in perspective. Mm. And one of the things that you touched there is that uh, the channel, like not the challenge, but the kind of characteristics of your products is that uh, they they need to last for like decades. Yeah. The design needs to last for decades. It's mm. not so easy to update uh, an elevator or escalator. Mm. Uh, as it is for digital services, for instance. Yeah. Uh, can you open up a bit on how do you take this into account in the design process? Well, uh, we have just actually uh, finalized our new kind of uh, guidelines, high-level guidelines for our, our design principles, that how we, how we design. And there are kind of four points that we, in all the cases, we need to take into account. And first of all is that we are designing for humans. That's a uh, that that's a kind of mandatory thing. We don't design a kind of a part of a machine called the building, but we are designing actually uh, things for hum- humans to use. Uh, then another thing is that we are we are designing the whole journeys. So meaning that it's it's the whole journey either that you are coming to a building from 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 home to office, for example. That's a one kind of a journey, but another kind of journey is is a life life cycle journey so that the building is lasting for 50 years or 100 years so how is the journey with our different solutions in that building so that we need to take into consideration the whole whole cycle uh, and then we, we we design for the future that's one thing that is is mandatory so whatever we do uh, we need to focus 10 years ahead in a way seeing that where the world is actually going and what is now going on and happening is not maybe the most important thing 10 years after uh, so we should foresee a bit uh, ahead and thinking about our product uh, lifespan which is maybe 15 maybe 25 years building has much longer life life uh, lifetime uh, you you need to kind of uh, you need to have a vision in a way where the world is going and you need to study that in, in order to be able to do do things uh, and you need to have a kind of two approaches in a way that what needs to change in our solutions and what needs to stay in our products for very long time uh, uh, so those were the first three and and then the fourth one which is uh, which is this kind of maybe a method of doing that we we want to um, do real life solutions so we and we do that with experimenting okay. so so we create we, we create uh, hypotheses and we co-create with customers in order to understand their real needs and real values what they have uh, but then we experiment to measure that are those uh, assumptions correct Hmm. We don't actually believe that we can do it in with any other way at the moment. We, we need to go there. We, we need to install and put the things running somewhere where people are really using them, where customers are really kind of using our services. And only then we know that is this going to fly or not. Yeah. And these are our four, four, four design principles. And I think that the fourth one 
is to make us outside in company, which is also a very big driver for, for Kone strategy at the moment, that we need to be able to renew and, and create true value. Yeah, yeah. The experimenting part is, is very interesting. You described that you build mm. test setups where you can then run it with the actual yeah. customers. We'll be doing quite a lot of like online experimenting on the yeah. digital side of it. Uh, and, and Definitely, it is the kind of like the method to get like a lot of the validation part done mm. before you commit to the uh, to the actual big investment of doing that. But can you talk a bit about on like how do you build the kind of like the setup for the experiment when you're talking about the elevators or or maybe a case case example? Case example. If you can talk yeah. about it. Uh, well, obviously, it's very much related on what kind of a solution we are building. But it, if it is, for example, an elevator, or an elevator is included there, uh, you need to build some hardware there on the side. So you need to build a, build an elevator where you are typically then setting up uh, the things that you are innovating. Uh, typically, we don't do it with the safety critical things because that is just too too difficult yeah. and too slow. So we are focusing with experimentation on the on the things that are not safety critical. So we don't want to jeopardize anybody's safety or well-being uh, by experimentation. But an experience is then a thing that we we want to. Uh, kind of try out in the in the in the field. So user interfaces of the products, uh, the kind of a visual appearance, lighting, media, sounds, that sort of things we we, we put to there together. Uh, how to how to modernize, how to change the kind of uh, visual outlook, uh, how to how to kind of uh, build uh, up digital services or human to human services and try out those with our customers, true customers in the site. Uh, that kind of things we we tend to uh, on the experimentation phase. Mm. Of, of course, be- before that we have already. Uh, done a lot of kind of uh, pre-work and co-creation and, and shadowing and observation and interviewing you know in a way that we are on the right ballpark already yeah. but but uh, to get the kind of uh, understanding that would this really in a real situation be a successful solution mm. And I think that that is because of the Finnish, at least, at least Finnish kind of way of making decisions in the business side. Uh, they are calling it evidence or fact-based decision making, whether that is possible or not for the future solution. But um, but if you want to compete against the kind of a, another project, an improvement project, or another project that is showing some sort of a, a business uh, measurements, you need to be able to have something to show in order to get your product running, in order to be able to sell it further. So so uh, that's why you then need to have an evidence. Uh, and we are using customer insights as an evidence. Yeah. That's the way that we are uh, uh, we are utilizing it, and that's how we are getting our projects. Um, that cannot be maybe justified with the, with the monetary values yet, uh, but but we can justify it in a way that the customer is saying that yes, if you are providing this, I'll buy, and I'm willing to pay this much premium about it, and and so forth. Hmm. 
Yeah, in your in your post, uh, you also had this like talking about interfaces. You mentioned that maybe in the future there won't be any buttons anymore. Mm. And I know for a fact that my kids would cry if they would run <laughs> to an elevator where they can't push the button anymore because yeah. I have two small kids, mm. and they always compete who gets to order the elevator, and who gets to like choose the floor. Yeah. <laughs> and God forbid if there wouldn't be any buttons, there would be like family crisis. <laughs> but yeah, it is an interesting future. Mm. And I, Definitely. Uh, you like having 40 people uh, in in a in a bigger corporation. How how big is Kone as a like corporation as a whole? We well in people people count. We are 55,000 people. Mm. Yeah. So in that sense, not too many designers out of that. But of course, uh, you need to remember that we have pretty big uh, field uh, stuff, installing and maintaining our products. Uh, I don't now remember the uh, accurate number, how many, but at least 30,000 people is on the field all the time. So uh, uh, I, I, I don't say that we would have enough design power in, in the company, but, but we are able to manage at the moment. Uh, mm, yeah. Can you talk about how your design is, is organized now? You mentioned that you have like in multiple countries mm. design represented there, but are they as a kind of standalone design organization there or integrated to the R&D? Uh, we are part of R&D. The design is uh, in general at the moment it is part of part of part of Kone R&D, but we are supporting different functions from there. It is just kind of found in a, in a Kone that that is maybe for design the best place to be. Uh, even though uh, we have service design also included in our design organization and service design typically is working with the business rather than R&D people. Uh, and, and, and UX is actually working nowadays more with the IT than it is working with the R&D. And the product design is the one that is actually working a lot with R&D. <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> so in that sense, it's, it's not the kind of setup that we would be where our work is. But we are just uh, in a place where, the, where the, maybe the mentality is, and mentality meaning that you can look for the future, you can kind of uh, uh, spend time on new things rather than business critical things. So, so R&D in that sense is, is a good place. We have been of course talking and discussing that how about the brand, because we have a very close collaboration with our brand team. We have uh, this uh, design guidelines. Is, they are actually brand and design guidelines. So we are we are aiming to make uh, one experience out of Kone, uh, uh, and it comes through our services, our our UXs, our products, our marketing materials, our presence in the social media, and so forth and so forth. So that's why we want to work together with marketing. We are not part of it, uh, or they are not part of us. Uh, and I think that this setup maybe is a, is a good good way to do because uh, we are then together covering maybe a bit bit bigger area from Connet than, than if it would be combined together. Hmm. Now, what kind of challenges do you see in your your like day-to-day work, like running the global operations and hmm. trying to get everybody on the same page when it comes for like the brand and uh, <clears throat> the brand experience part of it. How do you handle that or what kind of challenges do you have there? Well, obviously there are challenges because uh, if you think about the market areas, uh, China or Asia, Europe and North America, the reality is very different there. 
the market situation, the custom expectation, the user ex- uh, kind of uh, behavior, they are all different. So, so in that sense, you need to give a flexibility in order to let, let, let the business succeed there. You, you cannot have that, that kind of, that, no, this is the right way and we do it like this because you are making it harder to make a business there. Uh, so flexibility is needed and, and market understanding is needed. Uh, but also what is needed is, is consistency in a way that these are corner solutions, these are corner products, uh, corner services. Uh, and we need to kind of have a kind of common way of doing those uh, globally. And that's a kind of a very hard thing to, to balance with, yeah. <laughs> you know, in a way. But where do you draw the line that this is now, this is now that something that you give a flexibility for certain country and this is now the thing that you need to, you, you, are, you are just forced to do in corner way. Uh, and, and that yeah, never ending battle, I guess. Hmm. Uh, then of course there are cultural uh, differences, uh, uh, expectation differences, uh, and also maturity differences in a, in a market area. So in some market areas they are very techy, uh, looking for newest new like China, and some market areas they are then very very kind of uh, conservative in a way, being very very doubtful against uh, all the new things and saying that uh, those don't last, those don't work. They are just toys for, for boys, but not the real things. <laughs> uh, and of course, then having this kind of mix of different customers within this, it, it, it's, it's a challenging situation. So that you should provide everything uh, of robust, modern, uh, <laughs> uh, future-looking things that never fails to everybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and can test it, stand <laughs> yes. the test of time as well. Yes. Yeah. So I'm curious because you, you've been now in two two times in a situation where you joined a company where there was like, it's like linear design was what mm. is it, four persons when you mm. joined. Kone mm. had two designers uh, mm. when you joined, but support from the the highest possible yeah. uh, level. Uh, if you would join Connect today mm. uh, or any other company today as a kind of like first mm. design leader there, and you would be tasked to build and design um, uh, like organization or internal agency for the company, mm. how would you actually set it up today? Mm. I'd say quite differently, I, I, I'd suppose, and this is maybe something that I have been also discussing also internally in Kone, that we need to develop all the time, and, and in, in a big company it might take time because you need to have all the parts kind of fitting together. Uh, but what I realized uh, last few years working with few of these kind of a more future-looking concept projects is that actually it doesn't make any sense to isolate design into a separate design organization. Uh, we need to have an innovation organization where there's kind of a very diverse know-how, uh, internal people, external people mixed together, uh, and, 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 and kind of a attitude that is uh, driving for, for change because what I see now as a biggest challenge for existing big or small companies is that the world is changing now rapidly around us. Technology is disrupting our, our way of doing business. 
selling things and also our products are changing because of the same technologies is kind of a, making some of our existing solution old-fashioned and too expensive. So we need to find a way uh, to tap into that new world and find the new ways to operate there. So we need to be able to do a business cases. We need to do we need to do products from very different perspective. And everything needs to be at least partly digital. It's just kind of embedded. Coming back to the linear early years, it seems to be very, very, very kind of actual point again. Uh, but it is a different setup, uh, and and I would actually go very close to customer to work uh, and to work with customer. So so as maybe R and D work is typically that you do things in a secrecy, you, you, you hide your ideas until you have patented and protected everything and then mm. you come out and hope that somebody will buy. Uh, I, would, I would turn that also around in a way that you know that this is something that is uh, interesting and important and do it together with your partners, with your customers and, and ha- have, a, have a, as wide a view on the topic as possible. Yep. Yeah, yeah, it is very interesting. I think it was nice that you brought up the point of like not necessarily building a design organization, but building an organization for innovation. Yeah, uh, because I also struggle quite a lot on the like a, like I run a design organization myself. But the thing that we do for our customers is not we don't sell design. Mm. Design is a tool that we use to do innovation or yeah. innovative services. Absolutely. Yeah, and maybe 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 to continue from there so so basically what is important what is the biggest value and why it could be said as as well as a design organization is that i believe that it needs to use a design methods hmm. it needs to use design thinking it needs to use uh, service design methods it should use lean methods also to be a kind of a easy easy to steer and easy to kind of change and drop things also that are not working And, and you know that is the key. It needs to be design-led way of doing things, yes. rather than rather than maybe technology or engineering-led way of doing things. And, and that is the kind of way that I would turn it. Yes. Mm. As like last last question uh, before we close, uh, the service you mentioned service design, and you have a service design organization mm. or team in in your your organization. And service design is it's very popular. Uh, in Finland and Nordics mm. in general, uh, but then again, if you go abroad, the service design is it's not so dominant there. How do you see it in your like in your global organization? How the service design is like, for instance, in Asia, in China? Yeah, we we started it or we tried it first time maybe two years ago in China, and we were very doubtful that this is not going to work because Chinese culture is like that that they don't tell what they think and they say yes even they mean no uh, and that sort of uh, things. But uh, and in, anyways, what we decided is that hey, come on, we can't. We let's let's not be kind of so cynical. Let's just go and try there. And as we we have Chinese people in our design team, we know that they are not like that. They are very open and they are collaborative and they are able to work like we do. So why wouldn't the rest of Chinese people? So we went there and it actually worked really well. So this kind of cultural uh, challenges didn't appear at all. 
they were very willing to work together with us. They were very willing to kind of openly share their challenges and uh, and, and and help us kind of finding the solutions that would be beneficial for us. Actually, they are expecting us to do so. Uh, and I think that we have just kind of seen maybe Chinese or Asian culture in a wrong way that it is just that, that, that we just don't get it really. Mm, yeah. <laughs> so, but it, it works there. And now we are, next time we are, we are, we are building it in India. Uh, and India, at the moment, people are like, no, no, it doesn't work in India because, you know, we don't have. <laughs> but I think it works. It works in any place of the world. Uh, you just need to respect some sort of, uh, some, some kind of cultural uh, uh, and, and, you know, human to human behavioral rules there. But it works when you, because it is, it's about people talking, people, people working together and people solving commonly. Uh, their common uh, challenges. Yes. So, so it will work. I'm unconfident, and and we will find um, solutions that we wouldn't find in in using with any other methods. Uh, and that's why we, of course, want to also understand better the business design, so that that we then are able to turn those findings into into valuable uh, monetary measurements for Kone in a way that we can get these kind of solutions uh, in the market. Mm. Okay. Well, hey, thank you, Timo, for sharing your vast experience in, in this field. And, and if, if our listeners would like to get a hold of you, what is the best way to kind of follow you? Or? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, uh, I can be contacted or found from the LinkedIn, I guess. Uh, and uh, and obviously uh, I can be contacted through the email, even though I, I don't have time to read all of them. Mm. Uh, so it's uh, first name dot second name uh, at kone dot com, uh, where I can be found. Um, and those are maybe the best ways okay. to contact me. Okay. Well, hey, thank you, Timo, for this chance to have a chat with you. Thank you.